hosting the fourth and final program in a series, Contemporary Issues Through a Torah Lens. The series has been sponsored by an organization in Brooklyn called True Torah Jews, which we will hear more about in a little bit. You know, every country, every culture has its history and its um, uh, mythology and its, uh, its, its ideology. Zionism is no different. Zionist culture was created, synthetically created, by the original Zionists, uh, David Ben-Gurion, Vladimir Jabotinsky, um, Ben-Sian Dinor, and various others. They had the myth of the Sabra, and they had the early Zionist ideology. Uh, primarily, uh, had a great ingredient, the original um, Zionist ideology, uh, a great hatred for what they called the Gullist Jew. The original purpose of Zionism was to change the Jews, from people like the Chofetz Chaim to people like uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Zionism was, as we had uh, discussed previously, a social engineering effort. And it was based upon the terrible um, uh, opposition and hatred and loathing that the Zionists had for the regular Torah Jew. And although today's Zionists, many of them, the average guy in the street, is not familiar with the writings of the original Zionists. Nevertheless, uh, like in every culture, the original Zionist ideology left its stamp in contemporary Israeli culture, in the same way that American uh, culture uh, still has the fingerprints of the founding fathers, and although nobody could repeat, nobody, almost nobody in America could repeat the speeches of Patrick Henry, everybody in America knows that uh, democracy is better than communism, uh, not that they could explain to you why. I have a friend that just came back from Cuba where they explained to him over there how communism is much better than democracy. Um, nevertheless, it, American culture and ideology is axiomatic, and so was Israeli Zionist early culture. A great example was this past week, Benjamin Netanyahu was uh, talking about the reaction of the world and many people in his country to the United Nations vote, uh, the Security Council that uh, concluded the the settlements in Israel are illegal. Well, basically, what happened was Benjamin Netanyahu had a had a fit, and um, he verbally attacked almost everybody at his disposal that had anything to do with this. Uh, extremely belligerent, and um, he wasn't making any friends. the The press in Israel. Uh, criticized Netanyahu for this, uh, expressed their surprise and their dismay, and, and one was one, were wondering, like, what got into him. So, article in the Jerusalem Post, 1226-2016, um, discusses Netanyahu's reaction to everybody's criticism about him. And I, I quote, Referring to a headline Monday morning on the front page of Mariv, Netanyahu said that to describe Israel's reaction as a world war was absurd. Quote, I say enough with this Golis mentality, Netanyahu said. Quote, I say there is no diplomatic wisdom in being obsequious. Not only will our relations with the world not be harmed, in the long term they will only improve. Because the nations of the world respect strong countries that stand up for themselves. They do not respect weak and obsequious countries that bow their heads. Now, what, uh, uh, end quote. This is extremely interesting for somebody who's, who studied early Zionist ideology and the history of the state of Israel. This is, this, uh, comes straight out of the mouth of a guy like 
Vladimir Jabotinsky, or even more so Menachem Begin, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu considers himself a student of Jabotinsky, whose intellectual origins, origins of Zionism included great fascist uh, influence, militant influence, um, everything but Jewish influence. It's very, we, learn, we have uh, discussed previously that the Jewish people remain safe. It's one of our secrets, in, one of our secrets to survival in Golos that uh, we bow our knees, bow our heads, like Yaakov Inu Detesov. There are many anti-Semites in the world, and the Torah represents all the anti-Semites are represented by Esav. Yaakov Inu had a, what was going to be a lethal encounter with Esav, and he survived. He survived because he bowed, and that Torah teaches us to bow. The, the idea of bowing our heads was probably, of all the things that the Zions hated about the Jews, and they hated a lot of things, Everything from their noses, I'm not kidding, Herzl des- uh, describes their noses. They're really anti-Semitic slurs the uh, Zionists had. But the thing they hated the most about the Jews that they wanted to change was the fact that the Jews bow their heads in Golos, which is what kept us safe. The thing they wanted to change more than anything else is they wanted every Jew to understand that we don't bow our heads anymore. Now, of course, this is the most dangerous possible thing that a Jew could do. We learned about it. All it does is generate more anti-Semitism, set aside for a fact, set aside for a moment, the idea that it's against the Torah and the punishment for doing such a thing of rebellion against the nations, depending upon what context you refuse to bow your head, is that Hashem says, Jews will be killed like animals. From the beginning of Zionism, this was their idea. Militancy and Jews should stick up with themselves and never bow their heads was one of the main ideas of early Zionism and is still there today. In fact, early Zionism created the Zionist culture to be the exact opposite of the rabbinic culture. We know, we have quoted here previously, that, uh, ben- that Vladimir Jabotinsky had described a Zionist as just the opposite of a Yid. That's a quote. He said, if you want to know what a Zionist, a Hebrew he called it is, take every characteristic of a Yid, imagine its diametrical opposite, and that is a Zionist. Now, there's a... Uh, I have in front of me a book, a very interesting by a book called The Creation of the New Jew, the Sabra, by a man named Oz Almag, some professor of sociology in uh, Israel. Hebrew version of the Sabra won the 1998 Ish Shalom Award of the Yad Ben Svi Institute, Jerusalem, for historical research on Israeli society. One of the things he says, he goes through all the Sabra characteristics and he maps them one-to-one to the characteristics of rabbinical Jews. And he shows that all the Israeli characteristics, the characteristics that Israel designed itself to have, are an overcompensation to negate the Jewish character trait. So, for example, the, the, the Sabras had this, this idea of like uh, talking in a very non-complicated way. They had an expression, dugri, it's an Arab word which means like, you know, very, very straight. Like, don't drain me a cup, just talk straight. That was the opposite of the pilpal that rabbinic Jews always used to involve in, uh, involve themselves in. And, and the main characteristic was that we will not bow our knees anymore. Uh, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, uh, they were saying the same thing about the settlements. I have in front of me Rav Shach's Mechtovim Maimorim, and he's talking about the settlements and about how Israel doesn't want to give this up. This is in the 80s. The, the settlements are tremendous provocation against the nations, which is a big sin. 
It stems from the fundamental mistake of the Zionists, I'm going to say it in, in English uh, because of time constraints, that according to the Zionists, everything that happened to us, all the anti-Semitism, was because we didn't have a state and our own sovereignty. And now that we have a state and a Jewish sovereignty, we're a nation just like all the other nations. And if we stand straight and not bow our knees, our enemies, our foes, will bow to us. Even though there are many people that believe this, these ideas, the opposite is true. We have to make sure that no countries suffer because of the Jewish people. If Israel is uh, belligerent and if they do things that the rest of the world considers illegal, the world is going to blame the Jews. Rav Shach brings the uh, rise in gas prices and oil prices, and people are going to say it's because of the Middle Eastern conflict, which, of course, it often is. And then they're going to blame the Jews, and Israel is going to be responsible for that anti-Semitism. And, and that's really what happens. Because the state of Israel, because Zionist ideology, and therefore currently Zionist culture, is just, it does the, just the opposite of what keeps Jews safe, what happens is that the state of Israel has created a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism all over the world, and because of Israel, Jews are blamed all over the place. Although there was anti-Semitism before, the state of Israel has increased it dramatically, and we have statistics to back it up. The unarguable statistical fact, as documented uh, consistently by Tel Aviv University's Cantor Institute, is that, quote, There's a correlation between the intensity of conflict involving Israel and the level of anti-Semitism recorded in the Western world. End quote. When Israel is involved in conflict in the Middle East, Jews all over the world suffer because of it as anti-Semitism, including violent and murderous attacks on Jews, which rise everywhere. When Israel is not involved in conflict, anti-Semitism all over the world is reduced and Jews are safer. The reason for this is simple. Quote again from Cantor Institute. As observed in the 2010 report, Anti-Semitism Worldwide, prepared by the Tel Aviv Institute based on Stephen Roth Institute for Study of Contemporary Anti-Semitism and Racism, quote, Since Jews and Israelis are often conflated into a single collective, events in the Middle East often provoke anti-Jewish groups and individuals into perpetrating hostile activities against local Jews. In other words, because people think that Israel represents world Jewry, they attack Jews all over the world when they're angry at Israel. This Tel Aviv University's cancer, uh, Cantor Center for the Study of Modern European Jewry produces and maintains the most exhaustive, exhaustive data on anti-Semitism in the world. The 2013 report says, and I quote, The relatively low Scandinavian number of anti-Semitic incidents in 2013 could probably be linked to the relative quiet in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the prominent place this conflict has received in the media and public discourse in Scandinavia in 2013. The 2014 report says that all over the world, in every single country where Jews reside, because of the Gaza war, Jews have been attacked and anti-Semitism has risen. Brazil, quote, 
During the Gaza war, anti-Semitism in Brazil intensified as never before. Uruguay. Operation Protective Edge led to an unprecedented wave of anti-Semitic events in Uruguay during 2014. Venezuela. In July, August, and the first half of September, following Operation Protective Edge, that pitted Israel against Hamas, anti-Semitic events in Venezuela exponentially increased, especially those promoted by the government through ministries and the National Assemblies. Scandinavia, Egypt, Turkey, Morocco, Greece, Germany, Australia, France, United Kingdom, everywhere. United Kingdom, in 2014, 1,168 anti-Semitic incidents were recorded by CST, making it the worst year on record for anti-Semitic incidents ever. The single biggest contributing factor to the high number was anti-Semitic reactions to the conflict in Israel and Gaza. Now... Not only did anti-Semitic incidents rise in reaction to the general controversy surrounding the conflict in Gaza, but even individual acts by Israel during the war resulted in very sharp increases in anti-Semitism. Quote, also of note is that a substantial number of incidents were clustered between July 28th when the Shifa hospital in Gaza was reported to have been hit during the fighting in Gaza and 4th of August, a day after the UN school was reported to have been bombed. In between, on 30th of July, the UNWRA school in Gaza was hit, leading to 19 fatalities. In the United States, the total number of anti-Semitic incidents in the United States increased by 21% in 2014 in a year marked by violent anti-Semitic shooting attack targeting Jewish community buildings in Kansas and anti-Jewish expressions linked to the war in Gaza. The ADL audit cited a market increase in anti-Semitic incidents during the 50 days of conflict between Hamas and Israel, beginning with air raids on July 7th and into the subsequent gay round invasion in Gaza to root out Hamas rockets and tunnels. In other words, statistics show it's clear when Israel is in hot water in the Middle East, Jews suffer all over the world. Now, the reason why this happens is not because Israel exists. It's not even because Israel gets into hot water. It's because Israel claims to be the state of the Jewish people. This link that Israel claims, this this claim that Israel makes that they represent all the Jews, this conflation that Israel made that they say exists between Israel and the Jewish people, is responsible for the anti-Semitism, deaths and attacks on Jews all over the world. By the way, if anybody wants to call in, I'm sure there are people that do, here's the number. 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. Now, the state of Israel knew that this was going to happen when they created Israel, and they actually are happy about it. Of course, When anti-Semitism happens all around the world, what's the result? The result is Benjamin Netanyahu goes to Paris and says, everybody come to Israel. The result is Benjamin Netanyahu goes to Denmark and says, everybody come to Israel. The result is uh, Anatoly Sharansky gets up and says, there's anti-Semitism, everybody come to Israel. Now, uh, in France, the people that came to Israel statistics show that one-third of them went back because it wasn't a good move for them to go to Israel and worse yet. They just recently came out with a report, the State of Israel, that of all the suicides in recent history in Israel, over 30% of the suicides were recent immigrants, of those mostly from Russia. 
but it's because they saw that their life got worse. They, sending Jews to Israel doesn't really help them, and more than that, they're sending them to the most dangerous place for Jews in the world. This is how Israel attracts people, by convincing people that there's anti-Semitism all over the place. Now, as far back as 1947, in the UN hearing that led to the UN partition plan, Moshe Sharet, who later became president of Israel, testified. He, he, he argued that the UN should come out in favor of a Jewish state with an Arab minority rather than an Arab state with a Jewish minority for two reasons. Those two were options. Reason number one, Jewish minority in an Arab state will never be secure, but an Arab minority in a Jewish state will be secure. And the reasons for that are as follows. One, he said there'll be Arab countries surrounding Israel, quote, with which Israel will be most vitally interested in peace, meaning that if Israel mistreats their Arabs, the Arab countries around them will attack. But two, now listen to this. The reason why the Arab minority will be safe in Israel is, quote, because there will always be Jewish minorities in other lands. In other words, the safety of the Jews outside of Israel will be endangered if the Zionists mistreat their Arab population and therefore, we are hostages out here outside of Israel because Israel know that he, they told the UN, why should we mistreat our Arabs? If we do, the Jews out in Chutzlaritz will be blamed. Statistics show that's the way it is. But this is specifically because Israel claims to be the state of the Jewish people. Remember, Israel, we have to parse Zionism. One part of Zionism is that the Jewish people are a nationality, not a religion. The second part of Zionism is that the state of Israel happens to represent all the Jews. This is a radical form of, of, of nationalism that no other nationalism today possesses. Not only is Israel representative of their citizens, but they claim to represent Jews all over the world, kind of like the Vatican for the Jews, but they're not a religion. Nobody elected them. We're not Catholics. They're not the Vatican, but they claim to represent us, and all they do is put us in the crossfires. They said we are their hostages. What to do about this, we will mention in a moment, but first we have a call. We're going to take a call on line one. No, that's not a call. It says. Dimitri, is that a call on air? Yes. Yes, it is from Brooklyn. As Jews, we don't have duty to care of our Jewish brethren in Israel. I'm sorry, is, was that a question? Yes. What's the question? As Jews, we don't have a duty to care of our Jewish brethren in Israel. Of course we do. Next question. So what would you like? What's your question? Thank you. Uh, we have somebody online, too. Yes. We're blaming anti-Semitism on, on Zionism. We know anti-Semitism well, stop, is not stop, a stop, stop, thing. stop. Wait, wait. Okay, you said two things, and I want to respond to them, okay? And this is a typical Zionist uh, claim, and I'm going to give you a chance to defend it. And I here, here I am. We're in front of everybody. I don't know who you are. You don't even say your name. You made two claims, and I'm going to demonstrate to everybody that your claims are idiotic and that they're only emotional without any intellectual background. You said two things. Number one, I'm blaming anti-Semitism on Zionism. And two, what was the second thing you said? 
that there was anti-Semitism before Zionism. Let's take the second one first. This is typical of Zionists, but if I were to tell you, let's say, that cell phones cause cancer, and you tell me, well, cancer existed before cell phones, would that be a, 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 a rational claim? No, it would be dumb. So if you tell me that anti-Semitism existed before Zionism, and I tell you that Zionism increases anti-Semitism, it's not me. The state of Israel is saying it. The statistics say it. What? Tell me why that makes any sense. Tell me why that's a response. All Zionists say that. Could you explain that to me? Go ahead. You have the air. So you want, you want to say that we, the Zionists increased anti-Semitism. You agree anti-Semitism was always around, correct? Yes, just like cancer was always around before we had saccharin. Go ahead. Next. Yes. Now, Zionism claims that they also fight against anti-Semitism. Holocaust cannot happen today because Tahal has a beautiful army with the atom bomb, and they can throw it on Hitler. And okay, Hitler okay. so, so let, me ask, let me ask you something. Um, first of all, Let's assume that, so you're telling me that, yes, all these anti-Semitism, Jews that are killed because of Israel, are kind of like a premium in an insurance policy in case there's a Holocaust, in which case Israel will drop an atom bomb on the Holocaust country, correct? Question for you. How many Jews are worth dying in case there's a Holocaust? What if there is no Holocaust? Then all these How Jews many Jews? Every Jew. We, we, we die fighting. We don't die without a fight. There you go. So now you're saying that Jews are dying because of Israel, but better they should die fighting. I understand that. Well, my job is to say that Jews should not die, and because of Israel, Jews do die. Now, as far as dropping an atom bomb on everybody, that could be, but all I know is history, recent history shows that the only person of the Jews that ever complained that an atom bomb is going to be dropped on them, and not the Jews in France, and not the Jews in America, not the Jews even in Iraq, the only country that ever said that they're worried that somebody's going to drop an atom bomb on them is the state of Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu came to Congress last year begging the United States of America, please, please help us because they're going to drop an atom bomb on us. Okay, next line four, Norton from Manhattan. Go ahead, Norton. Um, I'm wondering how many Jews from the United States since the state of Israel came into existence have gone to Israel um, uh, within the context of the call, the, the Aliyah call, that they should come to, quote-unquote, the Jewish state? I have no idea. I mean, I honestly don't know. I don't know. Listen, anybody can go live anywhere they want. I see. But, uh, but don't we know that the number has not been very great? No, yes, the number definitely has not been very great. That's for sure. And a certain number of those who did go have indeed, as you indicated uh, previously in another context, uh, they've gone, they've become disappointed, and a, and a goodly number of them have returned to the United States. Is that not correct? It is correct. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so we have this, that, that the Zionists claim this is, well, there was anti-Semitism beforehand. Of course there was. But there was cancer before saccharin, and, and there was cancer before uh, obesity. 
It's a it's it's an idiotic claim, and this just shows. I gave the guy the I gave the guy the line. I gave him a chance to defend himself. You saw what it is. This is typical. Zionism is only emotional thing. That's all it is. And then he says, "Well, what if there's a Holocaust? Well, what if first of all, what if there's not a Holocaust? And all these people died in vain for what? This premium that you're paying in Jewish lives." In case there's a Holocaust, how many Jews is it worth? He says, every Jew, we're going to go down fighting. We're going to die. No, excuse me. I want to quote General Patton of the United States of America. The goal in a war is not to die for your country. It's to make the enemy die for his country. See, that's a different. Zionists are, 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 have this big bluster. And they say that, okay, Jews, they have this mentality. We're all going to die. We're all going to get killed. It's called the Masada complex. Jews are going to get killed. Let's go down fighting. And the people that oppose that oppose Israel because we don't want Jews to die. No, don't let Jews die. Very, very simple. Benjamin Netanyahu, in the state of Israel's approach, increases anti-Semitism, and the Zionists have nothing to disagree with that. It's it's actual, it's it's statistics. Now we have one more call, and then I'm going to tell you what to do to be able to. Oh no, he's off the line. I'm going to tell you what to do to be able to prevent this. Okay, the Jews for generations understood what the problem is and understood what to do, starting with Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, who existed in, who was in the Rav in Eretz Yisrael way before uh, the state of Israel existed. What he did was, he said that he went to the British authorities and even he went to the Arabs and he told them, the Turks then, he told them the problem is not with Zionism per se, but with the claim Zionism makes that they represent the Jewish people. The fact of the matter is, they sh- you should not think that the Zionists represent the Jewish people. We are totally separate people from them. Like Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai did with the Romans, when the Bar Yoinim put all the Jews in danger, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said, we have nothing to do with the Bar Yoinim. they don't represent us. Please do not hurt, we have nothing to do with this. It's quite simple. Um, the Mizrahi papers, all the religious Zionist and non-religious Zionist newspapers started calling Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonfeld a traitor and a moiser, and he was made Sakonis Nefoshis, and the Eid Chredis, who helped Rabbi Yosef Chaim go there, go, go to the, it was a, the, the uh, one of the publishers of the New York Times, uh, they actually physically assaulted them. And one of the people, a Balabas, uh, an Askin who helped Rabbi Yosef Chaim, named Rabbi Yisrael Yaakov Dahan, the Zionists murdered him. They admitted it. A guy by the name of Tahomi, who was later found in Japan, they interviewed him. So of course, he, he put Zionism in danger. Of course, Zionists up, uh, uh, subscribe to this, this uh, ideology that Jewish lives are forfeit for this idea of fighting and becoming Zionists, just like our Zionist caller said before. The solution to all of this is to tell the world, Hello! Israel is not the state of the Jewish people. That's a unilateral claim that they make. Uh, it will not end anti-Semitism, but all these increases of anti-Semitism all over the world that happen because people blame what the Jews do on Israel will be severed. I'll, I'll prove to you how successful this is. You know, uh, in 1955, the Satmar Rebbe actually tried to start an organization called the Vad Ichur Lomi Laman Chizik Hadas to, um, to, to tell the world that Zionism is not Judaism. Uh, it was not very successful because they didn't have in those days people that could speak English and articulate it to the world. That Nalta Brisker, Ramotra Savitsky was there and various, the Reb David Jungreis was. But nowadays, 
We can do it. There's a new generation. We speak English. We can get on the radio here and tell the world that Israel is not the state of the Jewish people. It's not the nation state of the Jewish people. What they do doesn't represent us. Don't blame Jews for what Israel does. Israel is China. Of course, you have to be concerned about the Jews in, in Israel, like you have to be concerned about the Jews in Ukraine. But if the Ukrainian uh, uh, the king or president or whatever it is went around saying that he's in charge of the Jews, everybody would say he's crazy. We should say the same thing with Benjamin Netanyahu. It, Zionism is not the national uh, liberation movement of the Jewish people. It's the national liberation movement of the Zionists. That's all it is. And the Zionists still are not our friends. I must, must, must read you this. We're talking about how much the early Zionists hated the Torah Jews. This still applies. I have in front of me a... Um, a... Uh, rabbinic journal called Dialogue. And in there, the Rosh Hashiva of the Nair Israel Rabbinical College writes, um, uh, quote, he says he knows somebody that's a good friend, a personal friend of Prime Minister Netanyahu. Netanyahu told me that the latter has photographs, this friend is talking, has photographs of all his pictures on his desk except one, of whom he's ashamed. His daughter, who became observant, she became a Balas Tshuva. His own child, so what does he think of us? Where's ACS when you need them? I guess the Zionists need to learn how to love their children more than they hate our religion. Then things will get better, at least for their children. Since the Vad Elichur uh, Lomi fizzled, a new organization, they happen to be the sponsors of our, our show tonight, Natroina Tutro Torah Jews has taken over, has tried to reinstitute the Satmar Rebbe's dream to tell the world that the Jews are, uh, uh, state of Israel does not represent the Jewish people and try to save some Jewish lives from the danger that they put us in. Listen, anybody out there, this, if you can't work for Hatzola, at least do this. If you have the ear of your co-workers, tell them. If you have the ear of your family, tell them. If you have the ear of the public, tell them. Israel does not represent the Jewish people. Israel does not represent the Jewish people. And the state of Israel is not the state of the Jews.